actually supposed to say two. Really? You're not supposed to say and it, the, it's, and, it's, and three, and then you're supposed to count down in your head. Wait, that but hold on. So everybody counts down in their head at the same time. So one person just says three, and then. But what if somebody counts faster than another person? You have to get the person with the best timing and rhythm and then on every, your production team. And then everybody is watching. So intern's going to do it. Right. Okay, so intern is going to – from now on for each podcast, intern will start the three. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, for, <laughs> for, so for context, prior to us starting, uh, I had said, all right, and we're live in three, two, one, and then this began. Yeah, and then I immediately had to nitpick him. Oh, yes. Oh, you know, <laughs> speak, speaking of nitpicky, uh, this is something that I, I – I got into a very interesting conversation about with my students over the last couple of weeks. So I was I, I had a project that was due on uh, on Wednesday, so mm-hmm. two days ago. Uh, I was reminding them on Monday that it was due on Wednesday. And I was going, all right, everybody, just to let you know, the project is due next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And all of them looked at me and I, they, they were with like baffled looks. And they were going, like, what do you mean next Wednesday? I was like, next Wednesday, like in two days. And they go, no, 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 don't you mean this Wednesday? And I was like, what's the difference? So here's my thing, right? When we say next, so today is Friday, and then we say next Saturday, do you think this upcoming Saturday, tomorrow, or do you think eight days from now? I would say next would be the closest uh, Saturday. The closest closest possible Saturday. Yeah, but if I'm confused, I would ask follow-up questions to clarify because that's what a human being should do. Yes, but here's my (laughs) thing. And I'm calling upon MLA to to uniform this. There should be a code between Uh this and next when talking about days. Because if you're counting one, what is the next number? Should be two. Two. Right. Two. But if it's Monday and you say next Tuesday... Why do people think eight days from now? Why do why don't people think tomorrow when you say next? Because it's sequential, is it not? I think because English is one of those languages where it's like, yeah, technically that's right, but everybody knows just from being a native speaker that that's not exactly what you're supposed to say. And I think maybe that's how you can tell yeah. the difference between somebody that's uh, maybe learned English as a first language versus learning English as a second language. Like Tarzan. Like Tarzan, exactly. <laughs> what um, is next? <laughs> can we just briefly talk about the uh, the mic we have here? Because the way it's positioned is a it's a two way mic, but it just looks like we're on a nineteen fifties like milkshake date, drinking out of the same milkshake. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, with like almost like a wafer on top, we can say that as the, the yeah. mesh of the the microphone itself. Yeah, I mean the nice part, and you know you can. It's anybody's opinion. I think the nice part is, is we can have as much distance between here and the mic. Like, if we had to get closer, which I'm fine with. Oh, I'm yeah, very yeah, comfortable yeah. <laughs> uh, knowing you for over 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> but, That's terrifying, I think. Yeah. But I, I I just, I had this, like, image of just, like, oh, we have a mic and it's going to be shared between the two of us. And we'd have to be, like, almost lip to lip for, like, 30 minutes. Well, no, no, no. If it is a 1950s milkshake, clearly we, we hit the times, the, 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 uh, the time period quite well that we would have those extremely long bendy straws and then we would go home and sleep in separate rooms right yeah. and then uh, make sure black people couldn't vote and oh of course women of course. stayed in the kitchen and speaking of black people not being able to vote in south carolina is on saturday oh boy so that's wonderful voter which, suppression is always a nice thing to, th- to think about which i think is interesting because the 
not not the mayor, but the I guess the governor of South Carolina was it the governor of South Carolina supported Joe Biden, and he was like half crying about it. Was he really? Did you see that? It was no, like, I didn't see this. I don't know if I'm misinterpreting it. He just he looked like overly emotional, in a good way or in a bad way. He was just like, I'm gonna vote. <laughs> For Joe Biden. And I was like, Jesus. Like, does this guy think this is his big Oscar close-up? It has to be. has to be. So what, was it like, um, was it like, I'm crying because I have to do this, or I'm crying because Joe Bi- <laughs> Uncle Joe is, is making me that, making me, is, is giving me extreme catharsis? Well, let me tell you, the only time somebody should be crying about their uncle is if something bad happened. <laughs> That's true. But... I, like, we need to get that on a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> would you feel comfortable wearing that in public i don't know God, no. i uh but no I, I, it's interesting that you say like is he crying because he felt like he had to i hadn't even thought of that so you think that the only way to try and pitch joe biden is by crying at the podium and saying that i'm gonna, I'm gonna vote for joe biden yeah well i mean that's what bloomberg's gonna have to do eventually anytime there's like a woman in oh, charge because joe uh, they, Bloomberg is his, his own animal. I, I recently saw this statistic. So Bloomberg has spent, will be spending his six hundred millionth dollar on his campaign post Super Tuesday. Which why is, you even keep track at that point? I, I know it, it's it's astronomical. What's funny is that the amount of money that it takes to fix Flint, Michigan's infrastructure, so that yeah. way they have clean water, is right. fifty five million. He could fix it ten times over. Right. With the amount of money. So he's constantly platforming on all of these philanthropic ideas that he's going to fix infrastructure, that he's the best on climate, which obviously he's not. But he could have fixed the climate by now. <laughs> he's got $69.8 billion. Right. He could split his money in half and provide health care to half the country. Yeah. I don't know if that's – that's. please don't anybody check me on that. That is hyperbole to the max. Yeah. I don't this know is if that's all Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I just think it's fascinating that he, he just has – it's truly the mindset of somebody who sits in an ivory tower and thinks that they're better than everybody else. Absolutely. I had this uh, kind of weird thought the other day. Uh, and a lot of, you know, different folklores with dragons, you know, like Chinese yeah, yeah. Uh, folklore with a dragon, the idea is that these dragons, like, hoard all of this treasure and gold and all these things – and then there's always somebody, uh, some brave hero that tries to go kill the dragon, yeah. and then I guess the presume, presumably take all of their treasure away and maybe disperse it amongst the people. And I always kind of felt bad for the dragon in, in these stories because it's like it's just an animal. Like it knows nothing yeah. but to gather this gold. It's probably not even conscious of the fact that it wants it. It's just, you know, it sees something shiny it want, and it it's just something it. it covets. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, Bloomberg just kind of hoards all of this massive wealth. He is a dragon. I understand why people want to kill dragons in stories now. Yeah, but but yeah, but but he knows that he's a dragon, and he also knows that he's hoarding all of this wealth. So yeah. it's unlike the, dra- the the presumptions of some on some of these dragons, where it's like you know the dragon's going out collecting all this treasure and gold and doing it because maybe it's instinctual or because it, mm-hmm. it just wants it. It doesn't necessarily know the value of it right but uh he most certainly knows the value of what he has all of his treasure but it's almost worth one presidency yeah yeah and again uh, how can you make the argument that once you get into office you are going to fix everything when you could just take again he could split his money in half and still have 34 and a half billion dollars 
he would still be a top 15, top 20 wealthiest person in the world. And he could provide so much good. Mm-hmm. So much good. I was I was looking at um another stat that said he has 2,000 staffers on his campaign. He could pay each one of them a salary of a million dollars, and it still, it still wouldn't bump him out of the top 10 wealthiest people in the world. Wow. Which is wild. I, I imagine once his staffers thought of those numbers, they're like, God, my boss sucks. Yeah, I, I mean, I was listening to, if you guys aren't familiar, there's a show on YouTube. It's done by The Hill. It's called The Rising. Um, and uh, a shout out to to Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty for uh, the work that they do. I actually have their book. It's called um, A Populist Guide to mm. 2020. It's, so far, it's been pretty good. I'll, I'll share it with you yeah. um, later on. We're but, only in February, so I guess yeah. we have to see if the rest of the book is true. It, it's it's pretty cool. So the two of them, uh, Crystal is very Bernie liberal. Sagar is more libertarian right. Um, and uh, they just put on their two perspectives as to what they think the populist view of each political party is. But um, – they were talking about what does Bloomberg's campaign actually feel right now, and they are terrified. Like they're absolutely terrified because they know that Bloomberg is getting destroyed on the debate stage. They know that Bloomberg can outspend everybody, but to the effectiveness of his spending, is he really – like obviously he's bought his way to basically third place in every single poll. But he's down significantly even to people like Biden or you know, obviously Sanders is the front runner at this point. But um, his his staffers cannot actually support him. I, I just don't believe that they walk in every day and are happy that they work for Michael Bloomberg uh, and, and that they know that he's spending all of this frivolous money and they can't be paid well. I just I just don't think that they could be paid well or treated well under a campaign like that. I don't think, honestly, like, I can't think of anybody that's, like, legitimately supports a campaign. Like, I can understand maybe from, like, Bernie's group. Yeah. You know, that tends to be like a candidate of the people, like that whole thing. So I'd imagine somebody that's working for him genuinely believes in his policies and stuff like that. Um, but somebody working for Mike Bloomer, yeah, yeah, like I just, I'm not like, I'll be honest, like I don't even know, I don't even know what his uh, politics are. He doesn't mention his <laughs> politics at all, all unless he says something that's blatantly racist. Uh, he had mentioned, you know, these had surfaced and I had no idea that, I mean, I knew nothing really about Bloomberg other than stop and frisk uh, prior to him running for the presidency. And I think that's sh- I'm just going to chalk that up to millennial ignorance, and that's that's my own fault. But So um, just being a millennial, really. Yeah, thank you. Uh, he, um, he blamed redlining for the mortgage crisis, saying that black people and people of color did not deserve mortgage loans, so therefore the banks shouldn't have done that and minority shouldn't have asked them to begin with the soda ban oh my god the soda ban is is this mo- the most disgusting thing thing that i've ever seen when he was a, uh, a mayor in new york he wanted to place a ban on sugary drinks and foods to try and prevent poor people from spending their money irresponsibly and he thought that was going to be better to put money into the pockets of lower socioeconomic people than raising their minimum wage or providing them, a, you know, better quali- better access to quality food, or improving their schools. He just thought that if you banned sugary drinks, all of a sudden their problems would go away. 
well, isn't that really being ignorant yeah. of the yeah, and, and so of the real issues going on? And and I mean, if people truly wanted, or people truly listened to uh, to, you know, to policy, and people truly listened to like the ideas and demagoguery of some of these mm. these candidates, um, I, I just I can't help but to think that for the older generations, and I'm I, I think you know the Gen Xers and the Baby Boomers, there's just this weird fixation with billionaires. And I don't know why that they are so so obsessed with this idea of the billionaire and that clearly if somebody made a billion dollars, they've got to be good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it, like America as a country is incredibly young, right? We don't really have folklore in the way that other countries do, going back to the idea of the dragon. Like, I think billionaires are our superheroes in a way. Obviously, we have Superman, Batman, all those kinds yeah. of people. Um but I think for us, they're like these sort of tangible super beings that, you know, if I work hard enough and I, or if I have a good enough idea, I can get to that point. And, I mean, you and I were talking about this the other day. The only one that we could really think of that didn't start off being wealthy was like uh, Andrew Carnegie. Yep. Who was himself an immigrant. So it kind of goes to show you that the American dream can be achieved but the purest form of it usually comes from someone that wasn't born here. Yeah, yeah. But in, then even so, look. How, I mean, how rare is it to achieve that "quote unquote" American dream? Right. And how how ambiguous is this idea of the American dream in totality? I mean, what is the American dream? Is it you know coming up from nothing, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, and then being successful, and you know finding a middle class job? Um, working hard, supporting your family, and then dying as a as a family person, you know, a family man or woman, or is the American <clears throat> dream, you know, collecting mass amounts of wealth and becoming in, essentially, you know, a, a part of this elite? Mm-hmm. It, does that accomplish the American dream? And where do you stand, or where do you have to stand on the so the socioeconomic or the, the you know the social political spectrum? for you to have a better chance of, of achieving that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, I definitely say the American dream has changed. I mean, at this point, I think people just want a tangible lifestyle. No, yep. we're not looking for, uh, you know, a four-car garage and a pool and land and all this kind of stuff. Like, we would just enjoy, like, a house that we could afford in a state that we've enjoyed living in our whole lives. Yep. Um I, of course, mean New Jersey because that's where we are right now in housing. Yeah, because fuck every other state. It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, whether you live close to the city, should it matter or not? Like, I get it as you live closer, maybe uh, pricing of houses goes up. But for people living in, like, you know, northwest yeah. New Jersey, closer to Pennsylvania, like, why is my house so expensive? Yeah, and, you know, and, and when it comes down to this, I mean, thinking about just – like just getting into the idea of taxes from this you have people who are born into you know exorbitantly more wealth than others and then uh those people are obviously at an inherent advantage when it comes to finding a place that they want to live getting into good schools access to you know quality and healthy foods um like those people who are at a distinct advantage and then start accumulating this vast amounts of wealth or inherit this vast amount of wealth um it's it's bonkers to me why these people don't pay 
uh, more in taxes than somebody like you or I. I mean, you look at like Jeff Bezos, you know, um, <coughs> Bill Gates, a lot of these other you know multi-billionaires. They don't pay a nickel in taxes, and mm-hmm. it's 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 mind-boggling to me that they can get away with all of this while we struggle to meet you know bills at the end of the month and are being crippled by by student loan debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I I don't know. I don't know at what point we say like hey we need to enforce some kind of law saying like if you make this amount you have to pay this amount in taxes or something yeah. like that and i imagine there's tons of people going like no that's um that's like a dictatorship we it's like totalitarian governments yeah. and stuff like that and it's like look there's a certain point we have to come together as a country and say like these are the rules if you don't want to play by them you have to go. And then we release Old Man Bernie on them. And then we release Old Man Bernie on them. We, we take off the leash. We take off the leash. Just so everybody knows, Old Man Bernie is a, a vile creature in socialist for- folklore. Uh, if anybody is, is listening to this and is part of the 1%, may God have mercy on your soul. Yeah. Check under your bed. Check in your walk-in closets. Check everywhere that you think he could be hiding, because he could literally be anywhere. He could be anywhere. And uh, when you open up that closet door and you see Bernie looking at you dead in the eyes, and he says, I am yet again asking you for a financial contribution. <laughs> Before we get too far away from it, did you want to uh, talk about Tom Steyer? Oh, God. Um, I think Only because I love him. <laughs> what a... There are so many things to talk about Tom Steyer about. Um, I... I love when when the, the other candidates on the, the debate stage call Tom Steyer out for being a billionaire. Yeah. And he's just like, his his jaw drops like he didn't know that he was a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, that's, that is just so funny. Because they're like, because Bernie always goes, well, unless you can buy an election like Tom and Mike, Miss uh, Maya Bloomberg. And then yeah. Tom is like, I'll, I'll be. <laughs> you think I bought an election? This is a grassroots movement funded by nobody else other than my billion-dollar bank account. <laughs> I feel like Tom Steyer wakes up every morning, checks his bank account, goes, Oh, my God! <laughs> this has to be a mistake! <laughs> How did this get here? <laughs> and then he runs for president, and then he gets... Uh, he's currently in third for South Carolina. Yeah, let's look at the numbers there. I'm actually pretty interested to see how he's going to do there and what the media is going to say afterwards. I am incredibly surprised that he's even in the top four, to be honest. I mean, looking at some of these these other spreads here for Super Tuesday, Steyer isn't even in the top six, top seven. That's what I'm saying. So for him to get, like, potentially the bronze here... Well, you know, I, I think that for his campaign, uh, you know, his his uh, uh, his campaign strategy was just bank on South Carolina. Um, I think it's a demographic that he works really well with when we talk about older people of color. I think that Steyer kind of sometimes has this like Clinton-esque type of feel to him because he's this old guy and, you know, he talks about climate change and that's yeah. cool. And uh, he's he likes Bernie Sanders. But he's not Bernie Sanders. Yeah. You know? It's a move. Yeah, it's a move. And so I think that he he can vibe with some of these, you know, on the cusp. Like, I don't really want to go as far as Bernie and be that democratic socialist. Right. But I don't want to be centrist like Biden either. Mm -hmm. And I think Steyer kind of fits that niche for people. 
Um, but I, again, I think it's it's so niche because he has he has thrown so much money in South Carolina, and I think that he was banking on I'm going to make it through the first three states. I don't think he stood a chance in in Iowa, New Hampshire, or Nevada. Mm. Um, and South Carolina is I think he wanted to try and steal it away from Biden and say like Hey, Biden said he's going to be the most electable. I'm actually the most electable, and here's why: I beat Joe Biden in the state that he thinks is <laughs> in one state. Yeah, in one state. Yeah. Uh, but it, honestly, when we talk about Tom Steyer, we we could talk about his money, we could talk about his policies. It it really comes down to is like I don't know where Tom Steyer came from. If it was this planet or a laboratory, <laughs> or if he is like a shape-shifting amalgamation of just pus that comes onto stage, but nobody makes eye contact quite like Tom Steyer. Tom Steyer makes such good eye contact that he looks through the TV screen at you, the viewer, and looks directly at you and everyone else in the yes. room that you're watching TV with. And he follows you. Yeah. He, he follows you. Mona like a, Lisa eyes. He has mastered the Scooby-Doo painting look. Yeah where he follows you everywhere. And I don't understand how he does it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a true anecdote, by the way. I, um, okay. I was watching him in one of the debates. Uh, I forget what the last one was. But I was on the right side of the room sitting on the like love seat thing yeah. that we have. Mm-hmm. I got up to go get a glass of water. And I crossed to the left to go into my kitchen. And then as I'm, I'm watching TV, his eyes are following me the entire way as I go into the kitchen. <laughs> And I thought, well, that guy is definitely going to get third place in South Carolina <laughs> one day. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, the man makes – I like Tom Steyer to an extent. Um, I don't like the shade that he's been casting on Bernie Sanders uh, in South Carolina. But, I mean, politics are politics. And, I, you know, in the primary, you got to compete against one another, and I respect that. Sure. But uh, like, I just don't – that look, that that is not the look of somebody that that just. I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. No, I feel like I feel vulnerable. Yes. And almost embarrassed. Not yeah. him, just in general. Yeah. Like, when he looks at me, I think of every embarrassing experience, and they all happened in middle school because mm-hmm. that's just when they happen. I feel like a dog that just wet the floor. Right. And is walking away with my tail between my legs because I know I did something wrong. Because <laughs> I know my owner's about to be home from work. Yes, he's about to roll up a paper towel, like roll up a, a newspaper, and he's about to smack me oh, out Oh, well, they the don't ass. have them anymore. That's true. That's true. He's about to, I don't know. They roll up the subscription to the New Yorker. He's, a, he's about to subtweet me. <laughs> um Oh, can you imagine if people started shaming their pets on Twitter? That'll be the next thing. God damn it, Rover. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I think they would they would obviously cancel the owner at that point. I would. <laughs> I and you would, yeah. Um But you know you know who I would like to see up on, on the stage? Yeah. And I think our, our listeners are gonna start to embrace this character mm-hmm. as, as much as we have over the last few months. Is I would love I would love to see uh a modern day Tarzan mm-hmm. up on up on stage along with everybody else. Just really questioning the American way of life. Yeah. He's like an immigrant from. Uh, he lives in Brooklyn. Yes. Um, I'm thinking maybe. I, where does Tarzan come from? Like 
in the books? Like that's a good question. Like, I don't necessarily somewhere know. in Africa is that like his thing? Well, or it's got to be where gorillas are. So it any somewhere within the rainforest. But I, I, I let's look that up. Can we get our intern to figure out where Tarzan's from? Yeah. So intern's gonna go do that. Because if so, he's like, he, oh great, he's just from Africa. Yeah. But what part? What is why? This is unbelievable. I'm almost offended by this. <laughs> just from Africa, there are fifty so where some are you countries from? there. Europe. <laughs> it's, it's never said exactly where Tarzan was. So maybe it's kind of like an Aladdin situation where it's like he's from Agrabah, but that's just kind of like it's just a geographic. It's just area. like a general idea of like we kind of think this is the Middle East, whereas Tarzan's like we kind of think this is Africa. Okay, okay. yeah, so I, that's what I. It's I'm just gonna, context because gorillas yeah. are from Africa, so, so therefore, yeah, yeah okay, that I'm, makes sense. I, I'm going off of you know, yeah, 1990s, early 2000 Disney representation, yes. which I, yes. which was the start of woke Disney, which is true. A whole, true. That's a, that's a whole different discussion for a different day. <laughs> But I, you know, honestly, the, uh, what I love about Tarzan is uh, he has the look of just like a really tan hipster from Brooklyn. Like if he just if he got it up in like a man bun, he took his dreads and did like a man bun kind of thing. Threw on like uh, like a, a collared shirt. Keep the loincloth, of course. Oh yeah, of course. And just like glasses, I think he'd fit right in with modern society and have an interesting perspective. You know, being an yeah. immigrant. So the situation that we're putting him in. He's he's now living in Brooklyn, For like uh, ten years. Yeah, te- okay, ten years. Industrial job or business? Is he business savvy? What what is Tarzan's occupation? I know it doesn't sound like he would take this job, but I really think he would be a great accountant. Account? Okay. Yeah, because you would think right off the bat he'd get like a job in construction or something yeah, physical. Yeah, yeah. You know, given his just you know you know muscul uh, mu- muscularity masculinity that's yes. when you're masculine and you have muscles uh, also wearing mascara also wearing mascara uh but just given his like physique you think he'd do something yeah like, like manual yeah. labor but i think i'd like to see him like at a desk job because he's just tired he's seen america and he's just like <laughs> and of course he's still speaking in broken english <laughs> right yeah he's only been there 10 years and he learned <laughs> he, he knows some english yeah, yeah yeah he's still with jane out of convenience right he's like trying to start like a like a local locally sourced seltzer <laughs> alcoholic seltzer beverage company it's just not taking off because the market is saturated right now <laughs> i don't get why people don't want to drink vines motto is great drink vines i make you mines <laughs> and they just have to explain to him all like the subtle nuances of how that's like well that, that could be considered predatory towards women <laughs> Predatory, I tell you about Predator. <laughs> you ever face leopard? <laughs> With nothing but stick. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens while he's up on the debate stage. They're like, people are facing such adversity. People are starving out on the streets. Starving? Why not go to McDonald's, get dollar meal? Talk, up, talk Tarzan about starving. Yeah. Try finding food in middle of Serengeti. Then tell me about starving. <laughs> Tarzan see many scary things. Tom Steyer scare Tarzan most. <laughs> I also and you going back to Tom Steyer. He does this thing um, where he locks. It's usually his right arm. He locks in his right arm to his rib cage, and then his elbow 
doesn't get above like nipple height and then he just like slams his arm up and down almost of, like an action figure almost like an action figure but like with like less points of articulation <laughs> like they gave him like three points of articulation it's just like i'm gonna raise the taxes on the billionaires oh by the way i'm not a billionaire i just found that today <laughs> i woke up this morning and i just learned i had all this money and i was like oh wow i don't have to worry about anything anymore i might as well run for president because that's what that's just what happens yeah. I feel like that's the natural progression. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, what, I, what would you say your predictions for tomorrow are? Tomorrow, um, which is the uh, South Carolina primary. I think that Bernie does a lot better than people think he's going to do. Uh, I still think that Biden pulls it out. Yeah. Um, I, I think Biden pulls it out by a slim margin. He'll probably. I think he'll take about twenty six, twenty seven percent of the vote. Bernie will probably get a close second with about twenty four. Yeah. Uh, and then Steyer will come in third, about eighteen. Buttigieg, Warren, and Klobuchar will split each about eight. Yeah. So according to polling data, uh, Biden has thirty six point eight percent, so like thirty seven. You know, like you said, yeah. Bernie's got twenty four point three right now. Uh, Steyer with twelve point eight. Buttigieg eleven point three. And then everyone else beneath him. Uh, however, you know, mathematically, though, there's 54 delegates up for the grabs in yeah. South Carolina. So, like, 36.8% um, versus, like, 243 I think it's, like, a difference of seven delegates. Yeah, it's not going to make that big of a deal in terms of total delegate count. Yeah, not to mention, like, Biden has, like, hardly any delegates yeah. right now. So, seven? Yeah. Seven? I, I think that where, where it's really going to come down is if Biden wins big, and that's my biggest worry, is that if Biden wins big... In South Carolina? In South Carolina. Uh, he's going to get so much media coverage, and Bernie is going to get slammed because he... he uh, Oh, well, can Bernie continue it? Obviously, there's a there's going to be a decline. Bernie's not doing as well as we thought he was going to do. He lost South Carolina. And Biden's, Biden's, Biden's truly electable again. He won South Carolina. And... Um, I mean, like, at that point, what's going to happen to the numbers? I mean, uh, I think that Biden's obviously going to get a little bit of a media boost, which might hurt Bernie a little bit, but I don't think significantly mm -hmm. in, in some of these more uh, liberal coastal states like California, Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to states like Texas, Bernie's got a big lead right now, 10 points, according to the, the, the most recent CNN poll, yeah. uh, 29 to 19. So if that's the case, you know, what is that going to do to Biden's numbers? Because if Biden can pull that in, you know, 29, 25, 27, 25, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden Biden starts to build up this narrative that he is electable again. And that's my biggest worry because I don't think Biden stands a chance in the general against Trump. Mm -hmm. um, I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as much as I'd love for it to be a weekend at Bernie's, which is what would happen if Bernie were to get first in this yeah. kind of thing? Let's just let's just be let's just be real. If Bernie wins South Carolina, it's over. If yeah. Ber if Bernie wins South Carolina, even by a small margin, if he wins South Carolina, it's it's absolutely over. The Biden electability argument is done. Uh, Buttigieg is going to get smacked. He's going to prove that he cannot hold voters of color. Elizabeth Warren is going to get smacked. She's going to then get incredibly destroyed in her own state of Massachusetts. She'll have to drop out. Um, and then who's left? Bloomberg. And Bloomberg's just going to try and outspend Bernie, but he does not have the base. 
You're forgetting one important figure. Who? Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, God. Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard is like... Gabbard? Yeah. Like Scabbard? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tulsi Gabbard... I don't know why she hasn't dropped out. That... What a mystery. I, I don't understand why she hasn't dropped out. I mean, Yang... I think Yang did the right thing dropping out, and now he's going on to be a CNN... Uh, shout out to Yang Gang, by the yeah, way. Yeah, shout out to... I love them. <laughs> um, but uh he's gonna he's i think he's on cnn or msnbc uh i one of the two but he he's a political pundit now he's gonna be doing election coverage so good for him um from the future actually yeah actually it's not him it's just an ai version of him i just <laughs> giving everybody a thousand dollars yeah um <laughs> wow thank you Yangbot. <laughs> what i'd love to see though just going on with yang i hope that bernie takes yang and puts him into his cabinet as secretary of treasure uh, treasury um something to do with his cabinet yeah um and i'd love for yang to take a small group of people and do experimental ubi mm-hmm. just to see if it works because bernie ha- from from um interviews with bernie bernie has deep respect for andrew yang and thinks that universal basic income is something that's you know obviously uh uh, I'm sorry, I can't think of the word. It's it's good. Um, <laughs> it's, do- it's double plus good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, I, you know, I, I think that I think that Bernie taking on Yang and then Yang doing some sort of experimental UBI, proving that it works and that it could work on a larger scale, could be a great supplement to uh, Medicare for all. Um, you know, a jobs increase, which Bernie opposes UBI because he thinks raising the minimum wage is going to want to incentivize people to work a little bit more and that it could be a better social safety net. But overall, I think UBI is a great thing. Yeah. And I'd like to see Yang be more involved in the White House so that way we can see him continue, yeah. obviously, into the future. I'm definitely not against the concept. I think it would be very interesting, and I'd like to see kind of an experiment with that, like take a small town. Yeah. Give them each like a thousand dollars a month, in addition to what they yeah. make at their regular jobs, and see what they do. See what happens. Yep. You know, because um, that's a thousand dollars that you can spend for anything. There, I mean, it'd be great for college students. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Absolutely great. You can pay for your books without having to take any loans for your books. You can pay for any other school supplies, computer. You can use it for food. You can use it for you know in continuing education in terms of just you know uh, you know taking up additional classes or or going to different events. I mean, I think it would be great for them. Women living with abusive spouses could move out. Yeah. Easier, or at least you know, save up for that kind of thing. It gives it gives people again a social safety net to live a high quality of life yeah which i think is pretty cool yeah um yeah so um we just hit our 35 minute mark yeah for our first episode for our very first episode that's pretty good yeah that's pretty good uh so i hope everybody enjoyed listening um when do you you think we're gonna i think we'll, we'll do this again i think once or twice once or twice more. Once or twice more. Once or twice more. Once or twice more. Yeah. As long as Tom Steyer is in the race, right? we're going to continue to do this. He's either in the race or he's under my bed tonight. Either way, I'm terrified. Yes. So when tomorrow, when this is when, when this is up and uh, we wake up and see that we have views on our podcast, we could also be surprised and pull a Steyer and say, oh my God, we have a podcast. I had no idea. We're going to play in every single room in your house and we're going to follow you from room to room, just like Tom Steyer's dead fucking eyes. Yes. And on that, thank you and good night. Good night.